0: Welcome to the Keep Rising podcast, hosted by Project Still I Rise, Incorporated. Project Still I Rise is a community based nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering today's youth for tomorrow's opportunities. This podcast is dedicated to education, empowerment, and inspiration on behalf of young people and communities across the nation.
1: Hey, 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 what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Keep Rising podcast with your beloved host here, Nick Howard. And it's good to have our seventh episode with uh, a special guest from uh, Comerica Bank, uh, Mr. Brandon Jones. Uh, brother is very uh, highly intel- intelligent in, uh, in the financial world. So today's episode is going to be talking about um, how do we cl- close the gap in the fi- in the financial world for everyone, so. Let's talk about financial literacy today and find what's important to financial education and just moving forward as a as a community together. Uh, Brandon, if you don't mind, just uh, tell us about yourself, your, your background and and what you do and all the fun stuff. And and uh, how did you get into financials?
2: Yeah, thank you, Nicholas, so much for having me on today um man uh it's been a cool journey man oh and i'm not even old <laughs> i'm not an old stuffy banker yeah uh, but yeah i kind of started off as i was attending university at texas southern university mm-hmm. um, walked into a bank one day uh, i just kind of walked in as a sophomore in college and struck up a conversation with a branch manager i was i was there literally cashing my paycheck i was mm-hmm. just like hey i want to cash my paycheck we got <laughs> And she said, uh, you need a job? And I was like, not necessarily, you know? <laughs> um, and she said, well, um, I think you're nice. And, you know, we like college kids. And so we want you to come work at the bank. But I was working at a cool job at the mall, right? So I was mm-hmm. working And so when I left out, mom was like, well, what, is, what was she talking to you about? I was like, well, she says I want to, she asked me "Did I want to work here, right? And I was like, not necessarily. I don't think I want to work here. Uh, I like my job at the mall. And then I got this long lecture from my mom, who was just kind of like, hey, growing up, we didn't see a lot of people of color. We didn't see Black people work at the bank. And so this is an amazing opportunity for you. And I definitely think you should take it, right? Um, so I kind of played it off, you know, and she called me later on. And so I ended up going in for an interview. And uh, I started off as a teller, right? Mm-hmm. Just as a time teller in college, uh, as, a, as a college sophomore. And Uh, I literally worked my way through the ranks in retail bank even after uh, graduating college, I just kind of stuck with it, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, And I worked my way through retail bank and was a personal banker and was a teller and did all those roles in back office and front office. Um, And then somewhere along the way, um, about five years ago, I really discovered uh, my passion for serving community and I wanted to uh, better merge the two, right? To merge my passion, but also my profession. And so I moved into the role that I do now. And so in my current role, I actually get to represent the bank and community um, and under our efforts of um, providing financial education and uh, working with our nonprofit partners across the state of Texas. So I, I do a fun job now getting to work with people like yourself, people who are thought leaders and people who are doing the really, really good work in communities and, and, and using the resources of the institution to help you all do better in your work.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, if you don't mind, what's your uh, title for uh, Com- uh, Comerica Bank? If you don't mind sharing that.
2: Yeah, I'm the Texas External Affairs Marketing
1: Manager. Yeah, so yeah. Very, very, uh, <laughs> very exclusive right there. Yeah. Y'all, y'all know, y'all know he is. Uh, make sure y'all follow him on uh, you got Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm pretty sure you're on. LinkedIn, all- LinkedIn yeah, is probably LinkedIn.
2: the best way to see me professionally. So yeah. I'm like, oh, Brandon Q. Jones. <laughs> yes, sir.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, let's let's just get right to it. So uh on a I was reading a report on a TIAA institute, and it said the financial situation of African Americans lag lags that of the US population as a whole, and of whites in particular. Simple economic indicators il- illustrate the gap. While sixty-six percent of African Americans report that they are doing at least okay financially. The comparable figure among Whites is 78%. A median household income among African-Americans was thirty-five four dollars $400,000 in 2016. Median household income for whites was $61,200. African-Americans household net worth was around $17,000 in 2016, and 19% had zero or negative net worth. The analog figures of, for whites households is around 170,000. And that's nine percent respectively. So how do we close this financial gap with all that being said?
2: Yeah, I, I think that first off, we have to acknowledge, right, the history that we've gone through and um, kind of our our, our, our plight in this country. Right. And so, you know, we are uh, we we we've not been afforded the same opportunities. Right. And so with that being said, and and given that we're only about, we're just one generation out of segregation, right? And so we're just starting to get our feet wet in terms of what it means to grow wealth, right? And that's okay, right? Um, But I think that ways that we can at this point begin to close the gap would be through um, two things, education and mentorship, right? And so we have to gain the knowledge of, of how we do that, right, what it means to save, what it means to um, invest in different vehicles that can grow our wealth, right, what it means to purchase and, and, and true ownership, right, and, and how we get to that place. Yeah. Um, also, am a huge advocate of mentorship, and so making sure that we are tapping into those thought leaders and those business leaders that have uh, paved the way for us, who have done amazing things. you know. We have to tap into the Jay Z's and the Oprah's and uh, you know those folks that have really done a really good job financially at, at growing wealth and really understanding how they did it and, and what it took to do that, right? <laughs> it's a few things, it's acknowledging our past, all right? And understanding where we've come from, right? And then uh, educating ourselves and then looking towards some type of mentorship to help us maintain uh, that thought process to grow toward you know where we need to be.
1: Definitely, it should be like as we look back on our past as a community, we should look at it as more of a like a a fire and not as a, a standard to stay where we're at. You know, we should exactly be yeah. We want more, yeah. yeah. Uh, why why is financial literacy important?
2: And you know the old saying, people say when you know better, you do better. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know it, it's all about that for especially in our community you know we we have to understand that we have to acquire knowledge in order to do better we can't you know stay stagnant in the same place and say well why am I not growing why am I not developing myself if I've not given myself the opportunity to know more right and so I think that uh you know financial Education efforts um, are, are phenomenal and just helping us to expand our knowledge, right? Um, and, and and money isn't all things, right? But it, it really helps to make life a little bit easier, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to have finances in, in, in order um, as a as a person, especially in in a the society that we're in, a capitalist society, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I really am a proponent of financial education because we've really seen how it's helped to enhance the lifestyle, right, of folks um, to, to, to provide just simple things, right, a, a roof over their head, um, uh, education for their children, right, Ed, uh, a, a form, firm foundation for generations to come, right, and so if you don't have to worry about those basic needs of, let's just say, like, food and shelter, right, and um, uh, you know, very basic needs, right? Clothes on your back, right? Mm-hmm. Then you can excel in other ways in your life. And so we can get past, um, those financial struggles, then we can, we can excel a lot in, in our, in the other aspects of our, of our lives as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I agree with that. It's just like, um, like you said, the community is important for us to learn about financial literacy. I'm thankful for my dad, you know, cause he's, he's taught me a lot about financials. He's just, uh, even though he didn't talk much about it, it's just like, he pointed me in the right directions What listening to like guys like Dave Ramsey and Anthony O'Neill, those, you know, financial gurus, you know, that talk a, a lot about it. It's kind of like paved the way for me. Uh, yeah.
2: it's Same here, man. It, yeah. it, it was, it was really my, my parents and my foundation. Right. Yeah. So I remember very early on, I always tell this story. My, My dad was like big on like doing to teach things. And so he um, he taught me how to write a check when I was like six years old. Right. So they had my parents had this account that was closed. So my dad had these checkbooks and he taught me how to write a check on these checkbooks. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would go around and write everybody in the house checks. Like, I would be like, oh, here's a check for you, here's a check for you, because I learned how to write checks. And when my mom told me, she said, don't take those checks to school. <laughs> 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 she called them in my backpack because I took them to school for, like, show and tell one day. She's like, didn't I tell you don't take these checks? <laughs> <laughs> take away. But that was one of my very first lessons, you know, in financial education, right, is, yeah. is what how you pay something, right, um, and the a means to pay it. And so, yeah, yeah like you said, it starts... Early
1: on with our parents, you know, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, I bet you when you brought those checkbooks to school, everybody's like, "Oh, Brandon got money." They was like, "Oh, he got, <laughs> they got money." You know? was like, that account is closed. <laughs> <laughs> My parents so, were not balling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that just leads us to our next question. Well, so far, in your, you know, your career, your life. What, what is the worst financial advice you have uh, ever heard?
2: I heard so much, you know. Why- <laughs> We see people come in and you're like, Who told you that? Um, so <laughs> I've heard a lot of different things, yeah. but I think in our community, um, and, and I understand, like it says, we have to track everything back through our history and our plight, right? Yeah. Um, and one uh, misnomer in our community is that we hear is that you know, your money is safer at home under your mattress, right? And so, you know, uh, that mattress money, you know, it's like, Well. It, you can see it yeah and you could touch it every day but what happens if somebody steals your money right there's no recourse there or what happens burns down right and so I'm, I'm i'm a huge proponent of house cash like yeah keep you some emergency cash at home but do not keep the majority of your wealth under your mattress right it, it's not earning any interest there it's definitely not safe there right banks have made every convenience possible to um, make sure that uh, you, it's convenient for you to access your cash these days. And like I said, I totally understand Black people's history with the banking system, right? Because There are some things that have happened in the past. Freedman's Bank, huge example, right? Where we put our money in the bank and the money has come up missing, right? Yeah. I understand that you know uh, financial uh, institutions these days are, are doing a better job, right? Mm-hmm. And making people feel secure in, in integrating that money into the the the, the, the overall banking um, institution, right, or the institution of banking. And so that's that's one that I've heard. Another one that I've heard is, uh, man, if it's on your credit, it'll it'll just if it's on your credit. Let's just say like you've had something that was a blemish on your credit, and uh, people will say, well, that's okay. You don't have to pay that off. It'll just roll off in seven years right <laughs> uh, people are not understanding that you know debt can be bought, right and so yeah it it'll be on bail with that one one company for seven years. however, another company can come along and purchase it at year six and a half, right, and then they have it for seven more years yeah. and so it's not necessarily um we, we 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 need to understand that just because it's there and and it can roll off in seven years doesn't mean that you don't owe a financial obligation somewhere, right? So I'm a huge proponent of, man, just face and and see what you have on the credit report and then just tackle it, right? Just pay it. Just call these. And sometimes the creditors can, they'll offer you a deal and say, you don't have to pay as much as you once owed, right? For a full payoff, right? And and it'll show that on your credit report. And so, um, you know, don't ignore things in your credit report and just think that they're going to disappear in seven years yeah. you know research them and take a uh, better control of your financial situation uh you know you don't know what um what, what your creditors will say and, and how they'll be willing to work with you to remove the blemish
1: yeah definitely man brandon's spending a lot of gems for us right now but right now we're gonna take a break as y'all know we're talking about the dollar dollar bill so we're gonna take a break and we'll be right back thank y'all
0: This podcast is brought to you by Project Still Rise, home of the National Youth Chamber of Commerce. The chamber is dedicated to youth entrepreneurship success through the facilitation of education and access. For additional information on the National Youth Chamber, please visit the website at www.nychamberpsir.org.
1: All right. Welcome back from break, man. It's, uh, today we're talking about the importance of financial education with uh, no other than himself, Mr. Brandon Q. Jones. Uh, he's a guru in the financial world. And uh, we're talking about the dollar dollar bill and how you could, uh, you know, make the wise, wise investments with your money, just moving forward in your life. Um, yeah, just going forward into our question, uh, when should we start teaching financial education?
2: I think as early as a, a child can identify money, like you know, when children see dollars and they get excited, that's what we need to start teaching financial education. As soon as they can count, as soon as, you know, they understand uh, that, Hey, um, you know, for me, it was like, man, when I heard that ice cream truck, I would just be like, Hey, can I have a dollar? Right. Cause <laughs> I I'd buy some ice cream. Right. But where did that dollar come from? Right. And did my parents work to get the dollar? Right. And then how much uh, work does it take to earn that dollar? Right. Mm-hmm. And then, overpaying for the ice cream. Like, why am I paying for ice cream? All I knew was a dollar to get the ice cream, right? And so as, as soon as uh, kids understand the concept of spending, we should start teaching financial education, right? And so we've seen here like in, the, in, in in our country that a lot of kids are being left behind. I think only the statistics show that only about 21 states require high school students. So now we we're way past a small child. We're an 18-year-old, 17-year-old, 16-year-old. But only about 21 states require that high school students take a personal finance class. That's a requirement. So that's only about 17% of our high schoolers uh, that graduate have a knowledge of financial, you know, um, um, of education, uh, or financial aspects, right? And so the next year, they're going off to college and signing Thousands of dollars is signing for thousands of dollars in loans, right? And so at this point, we're already behind the eight ball, right? So as early as we can get our children, um, you know, um, in front of someone who's teaching sound financial practices, the better, right? Um, Because they'll understand what it means to go into a bank, right? So, and that's why I always tell people, take your kids with you to do financial um, transactions, whether it's take your kid with you to pay a bill, right? Take your kids with you to the bank, right? Um, I think that's maybe why I am a banker now. I remember going to the bank with my parents and it really being a cool, uh, a cool experience for me, right? We were going as kids and we bank with this small bank in Houston called North Texas Bank. Well, my mom, I'm sorry, North Houston Bank. And we, we would go in that bank a mom or my dad would take me with them, but those people in those bank, in the bank were really nice to me. And then, so like they would like have a small kid savings account. And so when I would go in and take them my little pennies that I had saved, I would get a sucker or a toy or a truck or something, right? But take your kids with you through that process. And just, even if they're just standing there while, and you think that they're not listening, right? They're totally grasping what you're doing, right? you need to go and pay your bills somewhere take your kids with you right they should be absent of those processes along the way um no matter how young they are they understand the concept of spending they should be under they should be with you through those processes of paying your bills going to the bank or or whatever financial uh, transactions you're doing Yeah,
1: definitely definitely uh it leads us to the next question Yeah. Do you think building a healthy credit score is key to securing wealth?
2: Yeah, I think it's definitely a component um, in building, uh, uh, building wealth or securing wealth. And so, you know, let's look at the, um, let's just say home ownership, for example, right? In African-American community, uh, studies show that a lot of our wealth lies in two things. Um, we and, and we don't diversify it well, but it lies in two things when we do have wealth, it's going to be in our homes and the equity in our homes and it's going to be in our retirement two, two places right So let's just take home ownership a uh, big um, area where black folks have wealth, right? Well, a lot of black entrepreneurs um, have started off because they've they tapped into the equity into their home to get their businesses jump started, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, entrepreneurship is a vehicle toward building wealth, right? And so, uh, but in order for us to own a home, right, you have to have a good credit score, (laughs) right? So, yeah, it definitely is a component in building wealth because it helps us to receive access to capital, right? And, And so if you have access to capital, then you can go out and you can make some things happen in life and then grow, Right um your your wealth and then pay the capital pay the loan back or um whatever um you you received in terms of um credit you can pay that credit back right um and to grow your wealth and so that's kind of an example that i I like to use that kind of shows how the credit component is a, a, a a a small and I, I cause I don't want to say like credit is everything, right? Because yes. we think that credit defines us. And I don't want for people who have, um, credit struggles to think like, man, because I don't have a great credit score, then I I'm literally nothing. No, that doesn't mean that you can't be successful without like, a good credit score, but a, a healthy credit score does definitely, uh, work in, in building wealth as, as one of the components to building wealth. Yeah,
1: definitely. As a, as a one thing I'm working on is, um, so, you know, I'm trying to pay off student loan debt and people be like uh, some of my friends be like, hey, get a credit card. You know, I was like, I don't, I don't think I'm ready to, you know, handle a credit card yet because I know the responsibility that comes with it. So I'm just I want to tackle debt off like at one bit of a time. What, what do you think I should do moving forward with that?
2: I think that it is noble that you admit to yourself that you're not ready for a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> people. <laughs> I didn't, um, <laughs> you know, man, back in the day, they would come to the school. They would be at college campus. Um, you know, I remember back in the day they would, um, and this is before laws have changed and, you know, credit card companies can't do things like they used to. But as soon as you turn 18, you, the mailbox was full of credit card mm-hmm. offers. You'd be inundated with credit card offers. But I remember they were on the school campus and, and Texas Southern and Houston, mm-hmm. uh, college one of the places where we eat is french's chicken it's like the biggest chicken joint in houston right yeah
1: yeah
2: i remember they were on the campus and they were and we didn't necessarily like we knew what we were doing but we didn't understand what we were doing and they were like hey if you just sign up for this credit card offer we'll give you three free meals to Frenchie. so we're hungry college kids we're like we get three like they were like yeah we'll give you a coupon for three meals at french's we were like sign up right and we're like <laughs> let's get the numbers in and they're like running our credit and we don't know what's going on right oh so, yeah um just to know that you have an understanding of like hey i'm probably not ready for that yet means that we've done a little bit better by um our generations uh after us <laughs> right yeah. in pouring into you all to say hey don't make that mistake that early you have all of your life to build your credit and to obtain credit cards and other lines of credit right or right. or uh, means of credit mortgage or car loans or business loans or whatever at this point worry about paying off your student loans. worry about um building out your career or you know your business or however whatever means of, of, of wealth of a cash acquisition that you are uh, reaching for and um, going to a steady pace, you know, credit isn't necessarily everything at such a young age, you know, you have to use it responsibly.
1: Before we uh, get out of here, what are some, uh, some key financial education tips we should uh, be teaching in our community? Just moving forward. Yeah. Um, Build a
2: healthy relationship with a banker or a financial advisor or a subject matter expert early on, right? Find somebody who's done it. Find somebody who do who does it mm. um, and stick with them, right? And get and build a healthy relationship, especially with your local bankers at whatever financial institution you bank with. Go in, engage with those folks, have a conversation, right? Um, I know that we have a dis- inherent, uh, in the inherent distrust of banks and 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 that's cool, right? But find you a banker that you like, right? Uh, Find you a Brandon, find you a, and there are a myriad of Brandon's out there of me, bankers who are community bankers, who are folks that don't mind sitting down and just chopping it up with whomever comes into um, our institutions and just kind of say, hey, this is probably the best way for you to go. um, Or these are probably some tips that you should use. So build out a relationship with somebody, right? Who um, has healthy financial habits or can teach you healthy financial habits. Um, and I would say another tip is, you know, to pass that information on, we have to keep the information flowing. So we never should be hoarders of financial information. If you learn something, make sure that you pass it on to your friend, but also more importantly, make sure that you pass it on to the next generation. Right. So I love that, you know, Nicholas, you said, Hey, I'm not ready for a credit card right now, but I'm pretty sure somewhere that was probably instilled in you by your parents or your dad or somebody who probably said hey I made that mistake early on don't you do that right yeah. so build the relationships get the knowledge use the knowledge and then make sure that you pour that into somebody else
1: yeah y'all yeah, heard him uh, Brandon Q Jones man what a just a highly intelligent man this is a great episode man i thank y'all for tuning in to the keep rising podcast as we talked about the importance of uh, financial education Getting that dollar dollar bill and making sure you invest in it right. Um, once again, it's your beloved host, and I'm glad for y'all tuning in. Make sure y'all follow us on Project Still and uh on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And uh, if y'all wanted to connect with Brandon Q Jones, y'all can follow him on LinkedIn as well. Uh, thank y'all for tuning in. Y'all hope y'all have a good one.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to this segment of Keep Rising with Project Still Our Rise. Please stay connected with us by visiting our website at www.psir.org. We look forward to you joining us next week. And remember, whatever you do, keep rising.